A halachic query or a halachic topic you would like to learn more about as it applies to your life, and you feel that you don't have a rav with whom you can discuss this question, I offer online halachic consultations. Secondly, if you have some theological or spiritual query, or if you're in need of some chizuk, I provide spiritual coaching. And lastly, if you'd like to learn about a particular Torah topic, I offer one-to-one learning. For each of these services, you can book an appointment for a small fee at my website, rabbijohnnysolomon.com, which seamlessly, with the magic of Calendly, then appears in my online calendar. And within a few minutes, you'll receive a message with a Zoom link. Thank you for listening, and I look forward to talking with you. Welcome to another edition of RZ Weekly, our weekly podcast about religious Zionism, modern orthodoxy, and everything in between. I'm here with Harabinit Mali Brabski. Hello, Harabinit Mali Brabski. How are you doing? Yeah, Baruch Hashem. Okay. Uh, we haven't done our bios in a while. In one sentence, can you tell people, if they're new to our podcast, who you are? Um, who I am is a much larger question. I am. Uh, well, it's a bio. I'm a mother you and bio. a friend. But in terms of what I do, which is typically in a bio, I teach at MMY, I teach Machshava Yisrael and Tanakh, I am part of the counseling team, uh, in-house uh, social worker, and I uh, supervise and teach for Wurzweiler's School of Social Work at Hebrew U. How's that going? I have a Wurzweiler teaching. <laughs> um, how's that going? <laughs> I love it. I love it. But you're not advertising. But you're not advertising. <laughs> but you know. <laughs> All good. Okay. Uh, we hear you that laugh is from Rav Johnny Solomon. Rav Johnny Solomon, how are you doing? I'm doing well, thank okay, you. Okay, your quick one second bio. Five, one minute. One second. No, not one it. second. It's one gone. sentence. It was supposed to be one sentence, yeah. Yo. Thank you, Johnny. Uh, I teach for <laughs> Midrash at Lindenbaum, Matan. Uh, I'm a virtual rabbi offering online spiritual coaching, halachic consultation services. I write some stuff. I edit some stuff. I help people. You write some stuff like courses? Like, you know, do you teach anywhere? <laughs> I, 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 I'm writing a course, as you all well know, for Herzog College. I, I wow, in what? What are you writing Milton. a course about? Just curious. I'm just curious about Rabbi Sachs's approach to learning and teaching Chumash. Sounds like an exciting course. Wow, I would recommend that people uh, sign up for that course right away. Anyway, yeah, thank you. Okay. <laughs> it happens to be true. Johnny's writing an amazing course on teaching the thought of Rav Sachs uh, in the Chumash classroom. That's for me. I'm Ruben Spolter. I work at Herzog, Bechalet Herzog, which is uh, uh, in the Herzog Global Department. I work for uh, Irgun Rabbanet Sohar. I help people prove their Jewish status and they get married here. And I develop online initiatives like an online learning program like called Kita that either you did hear an, an advertisement for or you will somewhere in the middle of this podcast. Okay, uh, we are on the precipice of the nine days as we record. And if all goes well, you'll actually be hearing this during the nine days as well. Please, God. Um, and we, here in Israel, it's, you know, people ask me, I, I just spent some time in, in America, and when people in Israel would ask me, what's it like in Israel? The answer is, it's tense. 
I mean, I think we all feel that. It, it's just, there's a tension. It's media-driven. It's social media-driven. But it's not just that. There's a tension in the air surrounding politics, surrounding the future of the country, surrounding uh, the, the, the direction of the country. Uh, some could argue it's political, but it's, it's more than that. There's, a, there's a, a sense of tenseness in the air, and, it, and you feel it very, very strongly. And it's all, but it's also because there's a tenseness and a worry about the future that people throw around terms like milchemet achim, chas v'shalom, like, you know, a civil war. They throw around terms like pilug, they throw, separation or splitting. They throw around terms like, like shte midinot, i.e., there are two states, really, of Israel. There's a midinat Tel Aviv and midinat Yushalayim. And that Tel Aviv should have its secular laws, Yushalayim should have, and they should leave each other alone. Just really very, very distressing ideas uh, that people are worried about. And they're fighting about it, and they're real. They're not fake. They're very, very serious issues. And at the same time, you also get a sense that people are not talking to each other, but rather protesting at each other. There's no real dialogue. I think our political representatives are no better than we are. There's very little actual dialogue. And there's a lot of rhetoric that people throw at each other, basically blaming the other side for whatever it is that's going on now. And so we seem to be at an, at an, at an impasse. Conveniently, we're now about to hit the nine days. And uh, if, if Chazal or any indication, uh, the, even a cursory study of Chazal, indicate that the Chorban, the destruction of the Beit HaMikdash, is not, a, it's not, a, it's not an end in and of itself, as it were, but rather it was caused by division, strife, infighting, you know, the inability of Jews to get along with one another. So to that end, uh, we were just sharing, but this is just an example of it, uh, an article that was, or an interview given by Rabbi David Stav. Rabbi David Stav is the Rosh Irgun Rabbanit Tzohar, the head of the Tzohar Rabbinical Organization. Uh, you can see it on Israel National News. Arwitz Sheva, Rabbi David Stav, current political divisions reminiscent of what destroyed the temple. You know, he calls on rabbis to act, to tone down the level of political rhetoric in Israel during the period of mourning for the Holy Temple. Meaning, he says, listen, the nine days are coming. It's a Chorban Beit HaMikdash. You know, we should really think about these things. And Rav Stav was like, there's both in Hebrew and in English. And today there was another Facebook post by, uh, by a very prominent politician, Ariel Eli- Eliyahu, in his, in, his Hebrew, in his Hebrew Facebook post, just attacking Rav Stav for taking the other side. How could you take their side? How could you support people who are against religion or against what, what, uh, the, way, the way that he phrased it? Which means like, you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. On the one hand, you know, there's incredible tension. There is strife in the nation. It's based on religion and religious perception. There's real concern for the future of Israel. At the same time, whoa, we took a perfect time for, for, for introspection and reflection and calming things down. And a rabbi finally gets up and says something and says, why don't we just think about these things for a while? He didn't really take a side from what I could tell. And he gets attacked by everyone. So uh, I, I, I personally, I'm going to go to Mali first. I don't know about you, I, I found just incredibly frustrating that here we are on the eve of, and I, I, I'm right wing, I happen to think the right wing is correct here. I mean, I'm, I'm on record as saying that, and it's pretty obvious. But at the same time, yes, the nine days are coming, and I don't know what the answer is. Meaning, what, like, am I supposed to give up on my acronote? I don't think so. But, um, but how do I calm down divisions of people who disagree with me or, are, are willing to really harm the country and, and affect the economy and affect the security of the country? If, you know, in order to get what they want. But the nine days are coming, and I'm going to sit, and Rav Stav basically said it, so we're going to sit on the ground on Tisha B'Av and mourn the destruction of the temple and mourn Sinat Chinam, and basically it's going to be some, like, 
ideal Beit Amigdash, totally divorced from the reality in which we, in which we live, basically, for which Tisha B'Av was created. Chazal couldn't have imagined a better time for us to spend Tisha B'Av. Don't go to the Kotel and think about the abstract Beit Amigdash. Think about your life. Think about your country. Think about what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants from us. And yet, it just seems that religious people, not religious people, there seems to be no possibility of this message getting through. Molly, solve, make okay. me feel better. You're my therapist. I hope that, I, hope that know, I can make you feel better because ironically, the word I wrote when you're talking, you know, we take notes among, you know, like to ourselves to think about we're gonna, how we're going to respond. I wrote tense, question mark, point number one, optimism. So I, I just... Uh, I just, I just want to say before I, I threw it to you, I have stopped listening to politics. I've shut down from my, mm-hmm. from my Facebook feed. I, don't, I, I turned it off. If you're too political, I unfriend you. My wife says, you can't unfriend people. I said, I can do whatever I want. You know, like, I don't listen to the radio anymore because it just right. makes me upset. Right. So that's a good you know? place for so. me to put into parentheses that um, I think we do have to bear in mind the question of how much of this tension and dooms saying um, is real and how much is manufactured, um, which... As you said, I also have political opinions, but I definitely don't want to go into them because that's part of the point I want to make. But before I say that, I, I do want to say, like, um, I don't know whether I'm like a perennial Zionist, but like, I do want to push back a little bit. I agree with you. Yes, there's tension. We should not stick our heads in the sand and we should respond. And that's I do want to talk about how we should respond appropriately. But I also want to add a little caveat of like, we are not in Khorban this is, the country is not, oh my gosh, this is exactly the same as, like I saw a post by a prominent uh, Facebooker who I respect tremendously. Um, and um, he's like, I'm so worried for Israel. And it will sound, it seems so terrible over there. And I want to like be Menachem him and be like, don't worry, we're good. We're fine. No, we're not fine. We have work to do. You know, like uh, I always think about Ruf Cook's spirals. You know, we needed to buy it reshown to, to learn this lesson. And then we needed Galut to learn this lesson. We needed to buy it shading to learn this lesson. We're okay. We're learning. We're growing. And we're doing okay. Um, so whether it's because social media, like, you know, and not just social media, the media, you know, um, catastrophizes, whether it's because the voices that are louder are the ones that, that are catastrophic, um, that's, I think, a piece. Um, or whether it's because I think there's a lot of positive things that are happening that people don't see, and that's maybe we'll segue into my answer. Um, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, 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 I'm good. Now, maybe some of it's because I'm putting my head in the sand, but I'm, it's, we're going to be okay. And I think one of the reasons we're going to be okay is because of people like Rev Stav and what he's saying, and that's what I'd like to focus on now, which doesn't mean we're out of the woods. We need to, we need to, t- to learn a message and amplify that message, and if we do that, We'll be okay. What's the message? The message is the following. Okay, I think what Rav Stav did was very, very correct. I think what ha- what tends to happen in situations like this is that people do one of two things: they either start shrying chayvakayim, which I think we were all we all see happen, and they become very extreme and very emotional, or they say, "I don't have a simple answer. I don't know what to do. So I think I'm not going to say anything. I don't have a perfect answer." Right? Rav Stav is in this position also where he knows that like. If he's, whatever he says, as you said, he's going to be, he's going to be attacked. How can you say that we should have conversation with people who refuse to have conversation, right? And so it's like, I don't know what to say. So I guess I'd better be silent. And I think that, and, and I, I, John, when, when you speak, I would like you to refer to the post that you had shared with us, because I had similar thoughts to the thoughts that you had, which is one of the lessons of the Chorban, I think, is 
don't stand, even if you don't have the perfect answer, don't stand quietly, right? That's the story of Arunato, um, Shell, Rabbi, Rabbi Zechariah ben Aquilos. Aquilas. Right? He like watched them, you know, basically destroying themselves and he didn't want to make waves. He let them bring the, the you know, and then the pig and the, 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 the korban. It was all horrible, right? And he stood by, he let Kamsa and Bar Kamsa do their thing. And his, whatever it is, right? He didn't want to make, whatever his, whatever he was shutting up about, right? But the point is, he didn't have a good answer. He didn't want to make waves. And so he kept himself quiet. And Chazal say, that's what brought the korban. And to me, I feel like the message there is, even if you don't have a perfect answer, so that doesn't mean that you should be quiet. And that, again, to me, that what jumped into my head was Rabbi Yochanan Menzakai's Tein Liyav Nevachachameha, which we're still debating today. Did he do the right thing or did he do the wrong thing? Again, at the end of the Chorban, where he had a chance, he was speaking to the, he was speaking to um, the, who was it? It was, it was the Jesus? Vespasian. Or it was, oh, it, was, it was Vespasian, right? He's speaking to, to the um, head of the, the Roman, he was, the, was he the, uh, the Caesar at the time? He was about to become the Caesar, whatever it is. He could have asked for anything, right? And what he asked for, right, the decision was, should he have asked to save Yerushalayim or should he say Yerushalayim is gone and I want to just keep the Jewish people going through Talmud Torah? He made the decision that he made, right? And still people are deciding whether or not he made the right decision. Should he have asked for more? What? Okay, what's my point? Is the point was he, he said something even if he didn't know it was the right thing. He didn't step back. He, he talked even though he didn't know if he had exactly the right answer. And, and that was the proper approach as opposed to um, the response of, I don't know, Rabbi Zechariah ben Akvilus, right? Or again, I probably was pronouncing his name. I don't know what to do. I'm not going to get it right. So therefore, I should stay quiet. Okay. Now you're going to say to me, very nice, but what do you say? Right? Because if you're Rav Stav, right, what do you say? I think what Rav Stav said, um, which was, I think, so correct, in, um, in social work, we call this talking about the talking, right? Um, I would call it, let's say, meta-talking. Like there's an expression, metacognition, which means not thinking, talking about how you think, right? Being aware, wow, what are the patterns of my thinking? Am I be right? Does that make sense? Right? Meaning thinking is having my thoughts. Metacognition is being aware of the patterns of my thoughts. Right? Am I am I often negative? Am I often um, positive? Uh, do I dwell on certain issues? Right? Thinking, of, right? Being aware of the content of my thoughts. So, so talking about the talking, right? What I would call meta talking, is we don't have to talk about the issues. I know what you think, right? You think that you know uh, democracy is is at stake, and I, I, and I really is me here. I think you are vastly overblowing the danger. You think that um, seeing a bunch of protesters waving Israeli flags is the absolute pinnacle of a Zionistic movement on the left, and it's glorious. And I perhaps think that blocking roads and uh, preventing ambulances from, you know, getting by is, you know, potentially is arrogant and horrific, especially because when other people, other you know, sectors do it. It's not seen as, you know, they're not given the same leeway. Okay. I said I wouldn't talk politics. That was my one. <laughs> that didn't go. That didn't, didn't last. But no, but what's my point? <laughs> I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to talk about who's right or wrong. What I want to talk about, as Rav Stav says, is how we talk. Let's before or, 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 or after or during, let's talk not, let's just not do the talking. Let's talk about the talking, right? And talking about the talking is, 
All I have to say is that we need to figure out how to communicate with each other in, in healthy, positive ways. And I want to give you a clap. Really wait, wait, M Molly, my problem is, I, I, I agreed with everything he said. That's great. Yeah. The problem is we don't seem to be in a time, as, as I said before, we live in a time where people don't seem to want to talk okay. to one another or listen to one another because they're convinced that Correct. the other side, I mean, okay. I, I feel like, honestly, like I'm thinking about this. I feel like we're in a broken marriage. I mean, broken, right. where both sides are now just throwing, hurling insults at the other side, don't listen to the other side, and don't want okay, to. Okay, but what, and, what I'm saying is, if first of all, I don't think the, issue, the, the image of a marriage is, is, appropriate, is correct, because in a marriage you have two people, and it's, and it's all one and all the other, right? You've got the, the husband and the wife, and I think Israeli society is much more complex. Those are the noisy people. And again, or maybe it's even all of us when we do the talking. But there are so many voices that actually, like Rev Stop, want to talk about the talking. I want to read to you a um, um, uh, uh, WhatsApp. I think it's a WhatsApp. Maybe it's an email that my daughter, who's studying social work, got from one of her teachers. Okay, they're in. They're in. It's called Skufat Mifchanim now. Tests. This is what she got from one of her professors. Hi, Lakula. Hello, everybody. Right, as you said. Right. As everybody knows, the, the, the state seems to feel like it's in a deep crisis. Right? So she's like, exactly this. How can I not open my mouth and um, speak about these gorali, these really important issues when we're, we feel and we there's a sense that the country's in crisis, right? And I'll, again, I'll put one more parenthesis, which is that's also why I admire Rifstav. Because Rabbanim, when they don't do that, like during COVID, when Rabbanim only talked about um, rabbinic issues and they didn't take larger, um, you know, um, uh, so communal stances, people felt very bereft. They felt very lost. They were looking for it. And so that's another reason to say, like, yes, Dafka, the religious leaders, I don't care if you don't have an answer, right? I'm not a doctor and I'm not a politician. It doesn't matter. Give me theological um, give me psychological, give me emotional support, right? Or advice. Okay, so, so that's what this woman is saying. And what did she say? Right, she says, I'm, I'm, I'm going to make a request of you, which is similar to Rav Stav's request. Tifalu, act. Tifalu kadei shahamakom hazeh shel kulanu, shalanu, habayat shalanu, yachzik v'yeh makom tov lekulanu. I want you to act in such a way that our communal home, which belongs to all of us, can continue and will be a good place for all of us. Everybody, according to their own values, which I admire her very much, because a lot of people in, in academia are very comfortable saying their side and getting stuck in their side. She's not doing that. She says, everybody, according to whichever your values are, if it's democracy, if it's representation, if it's achtos, I don't care what it is. Act according to whatever value, whatever side you're on, right? Um, um, right? Listen to your conscience. She's like, you guys are studying to be social workers. Social workers, your role is to try to make the world a better place. And I would say that for us, right? If you're a rabbinic leader, if you're a Jewish leader, if you're a Jewish educator, or even if you're a part of the member of the Jewish people, Part of our tzav as of Dei Hashem is to try to, to um, make this place better for all of us, right? Okay. Um, and therefore, do something. Say something. Make your voice heard, right? 
Altiu Hatsofim and Hatsad. Don't be bystanders. Tikadmu Tov, right? And it doesn't, the point is, you're going to say, but what should I do? I don't know. It doesn't matter. Do something. That's the point. Don't let yourself be paralyzed. Whatever you want. Tikadmu Tov. I don't know. You want to go and, and, yeah, I'm finishing up. You want to go and give out candies in the street that say, um, you know, like, Havat um, Yisrael, like our, our kids often do. You want to be rough stav. You want to do a hunger strike in front of the Knesset for Achlos. I don't care what you do, but do something, right? To Odudu Siach. But now she gets a little more specific. Encourage conversation, right? You're going to say, oh, but nobody wants to converse. I don't know. Find, the, find three people that want to converse. There are more people than you think that do. Hidabrut, conversation. See the other person for who he is, right? And, and attempt to not see a political position. Attempt to see a human being who has values just as much as you have values and beliefs. I love this, that she said this. Always be willing to think critically. I love that because what she's saying is do not get swept into your side's drama and... Um, and um, sismaot. What's sismaot? Like... Um, Slogans. Slogans and absolutism. Always be willing to, right? You're watching news. I don't care which news you're watching. I don't care if it's left or, not, or, or right. Be aware that they're trying to manipulate your, your. you know, they want those clicks. They want those views, right? And even so, even the person you're talking to, they're, they're, if they're very emotional, it's because somebody hit their emotional button. So be be critical and be understanding when you hear critical in the positive sense, right? Shesama simane sheila v'yodat latil safek. Right? This is a very social worker thing. At the end of your sentence, don't put a period, put a question mark. Somebody says democracy is in danger. Take that sentence and say, democracy is in danger? Question mark, right? No one's going to listen to me, right? Let's say the left, the, 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 I'm trying to be equal, right? So the right says, why should I, why should I, um, um, why should I even talk to them? All chilonim, all leftists are arrogant and convinced of their position. Put a question mark there. All leftists are arrogant and convinced of their position? All Arrogant, convinced, put a question mark at the end of your sentences. Right? I believe in you. And then she signs her name, right? Which is such an empowering message. And so kind of to pull it all together, I would say for me, that's the message going into the nine days. And, that, and I think Rav Stav is right for doing it. And I don't think he's the only one doing it. And the fact that Rav Stav talks this way and the fact that this random professor of social work talks this way and the fact that, that you and I feel this way, there are many, many people who feel this way. And therefore, not all is lost. Don't give in. Don't be afraid. Everybody in your own way, do what you can do to, to, to lower flames, to um, to make space, and to l- learn how to say what you believe it, with, um, with, 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 with nachat and yet with strength. Johnny, did... Molly, give the answer for you, or you have, you you know you, you feel better now. I actually, Molly, like I hear you, but I, I'll t- mm-hmm. let Johnny answer. But I, I don't really feel so well, so much I, better. I, I'm inspired by by what she said, um, and so I want to offer a slightly different perspective, hopefully a complementary one. Uh, and uh, so I want to talk about two things, and just it's going to take a little bit of a run for it, but uh, I hope they'll uh, make sense. And I want to talk about birth and death. Um, because basically what's happening here is, like every country, we are going into a new chapter in the life of Medina Israel. No matter whether you are standing on the right or the left, 
Israel is growing up. We just celebrated 75 years. And when you get to certain ages, it's my secular birthday. Happy birthday. Right, but, you know, when you get to certain... That's fine. When you get to certain ages, you realize that you just go through a certain metamorphosis. And Midnight Israel is doing that whether we like it or not. So I want to talk about birth and death as framing devices for kufot uh, for and shifts from one kufat to another. Uh, and so I want to begin with the antenatal classes that my wife and I took before the birth of our first daughter, Meira. Uh, because when we went to these classes, which happened in kind of a local hospital, we learned a whole bunch of things about how birth occurs. And what the midwives stressed is the following. Listen, you may have a view about how you want your birth to happen, but please don't be stubborn because things happen. And sometimes the most difficult thing that we encounter in the labor wards are people who insist a birth goes one way when medically it just can't. And we have to fight with families when we say you can't have a water birth because, you know, something else has happened. And so being too insistent when it comes to moments of birth is actually sometimes a way that brings people to sadness, frustration, disappointment and anger. And so we're at these Hevle Moshiach, we're at these birth pangs of the, uh, you know, coming towards a messianic age, or even if you don't see it that way, certainly birth pangs of a new chapter in the life of Medina Israel. And like that midwife said in terms of the antenatal class, if we are overly insistent on doing things a singular way, all that's going to happen is greater disappointment and anger. And actually, it won't make any darn difference in terms of the outcome. You'll just have the same outcome that is necessary, but with frustration, bitterness, and disappointment. And so, uh, you referenced, Mali, uh, this piece I shared with you both, where I spoke about Rosh Katan, right? People who are Rosh Katan basically say it has to be this way. And the first lesson I learned when my wife gave birth to me, Ira, is don't have that Rosh Katan in a labor ward. On the contrary, you've got to adapt to the complexities of what's taking place. And I think that's a, a major message in terms of Midnight Israel. There are different people with different wants, different needs, and there are certain capacities and abilities and limitations to a Jewish democratic state. We know there's some uh, areas of significant disagreement. We know that many people actually agree on many of the fundamentals. Our issue is not necessarily the solutions, our uh, inability to be patient enough to hear the other person spell those out. So our task is to show a certain sense of flexibility and understanding and patience. That's birth, right? Let's talk uh, momentarily about death. Not that we should wish it, uh, but we're entering a period of, of mourning. And just before we start recording, I printed out my most shared quote that I've written on Facebook basically all the time I've been there. Uh, it's one that really, really powerfully speaks to me, and it's from one of my heroines, Racheli Frankel. And she said this at the first Jewish Unity Prize ceremony some years ago. She said, I don't need the world to remember my son, Naftali. That'll be the job of his family and friends. What I do want is for the world to remember how the global community behaved during those 18 days of uncertainty and to always remember the power we have as a people when we choose unity over division. You see, we at Midnight Israel actually do come together at death. We're really good at that. And I say that kind of... Oh, when things are bad, we always come together wonderfully. Oh, yeah. And what Racheli Frankel basically said at our first Jewish Unity Prize is, we know how to come together when we recognize existential threats. We know how to do that. In fact, we're probably better than any country in terms of that sense of understanding each other, showing sensitivity to each other. Our struggle is, how can't we replicate that 
when there are other issues which we think are more petty. So I would say the following. We should see what's happening as being significant, as being a transition, as being a birthing. But instead of being so uh, unbending, which will cause distress and, uh, the, and won't necessarily bring any great, uh, gr a greater outcome, instead we should show a certain sense of flexibility and understanding and know that we know how to be united as a people when difficult things arise and recognize that this is a difficult thing. And we should play that card rather than the other card. We should listen to each other. We should show sensitivity to each other. Unfortunately, we've seen far too many tragedies which have reminded us of that ability to be able to uh, stand together and listen to each other and cry with each other. Right now we're screaming at each other, which seems ridiculous because this is our singular country, the small strip of land where we share a fate together. And that fate should remind us of what we should do for each other, for the future of each other. So uh, it's really going back to that same framing of Rosh Katan. When it's small things, we are petty. When it's big things, we have Rosh Gadol. I think this is a big thing, what's happening in Israel. I think it's a transition. But come on, we have the resources. We have the capability. We have the, the capacity to show understanding and to show love. What Rav Stav is saying, We've done this at funerals. We've done this in the street. Why can't we do this now? And if we, if wait, we wait, say, Johnny, I'm going to throw it back at you. Why can't we do it now? By the yeah. way, I looked up while you were speaking about the Unity Prize. Do you know when the second Unity, the first Unity Prize was in 2017. The second Unity Prize was in 2018. Do you know when the third Unity Prize was given? I think recently. Never. They stopped. Which is an interesting question: Why they didn't give the third and fourth and fifth unity prize? Because maybe if they had talked no, no, about I, maybe if they had talked continued to talk about unity uh, throughout the years, maybe five years on we would have more of a momentum of unity. But we're not no, no, good. I, I, believe, I, think, I really do I think believe this it makes was exactly the point. We're great at unity when things are bad, when when external forces draw us, force us together, but. Like, it's very nice. I'm, I, like, I'm listening to you, and it's like, I, everyone, I of course agree with you, but I'm sorry. It's just platitudes. Come on. Why don't we get... We don't. It's not our nature. When we're not externally threatened, we don't come together. So we're going to... Molly has something he wants to say. Johnny, you can respond to me, but you can respond to me right after this. Some parents homeschool. Others don't live near a school and others are looking to enrich their children's Jewish knowledge. Each of these families needs a solution that offers their children serious Jewish learning. That's why I created Kita. Kita is serious online Torah learning at an affordable price. With Kita, middle school aged children receive online lessons each week through the Google Classroom and then participate in weekly Zooms with other kids from around the world. Children can enroll in the Chumash and Navi play and study Chumash Breshit and Nabi Shoftim, or in the Mishnah and Gemara plan, where we're learning Mishnah Rosh Hashanah and Gemara Arbeit Sachim, or both. Now is a great time to register your child for Kita for the coming school year. To learn more about how Kita can help your children grow and thrive in Jewish learning, visit kita.org. That's Kita, K-I-T-A-H dot O-R-G. And we're back. Johnny, how come we're like, I, I don't know if you can take me out of the platitude. 
I mean, how, once I knew you were going to ask Molly. No, no, no. I wanted to. Molly was nodding. Yeah, I, yeah, I said to say, I, but I, I feel like you were in the middle. My, my point Johnny. is, I uh, no one disagrees. We should all get along. Like, you know, and, and we, we, we will get along. Like, Molly, you said optimism. I wrote down optimism. Like, I always have eternal optimism because I know our enemies are trying to destroy us. And they continue, Lo Alena, to try to destroy us. So no matter how good things are, eventually something comes together to bring us together, to remind us who our true enemy is. And that's something that, interestingly, in Israel we have that right now in Chutzar they don't have which is one, I think, of the huge differences between the different communities and what drives Israel differently than Chutzlar. It's just my personal take. But I'm saying, Johnny, okay, right, right now, like, you know, Hamas is on the back burner and Hezbollah is like, they're looking their wounds for whatever. So let's assume that, like, if they're at all smart, have any intelligence whatsoever, they would leave us alone. Like, if they really knew what, you, what, what, made, you know, what, what made Jews tick. They probably won't, but if, if they were, they won't. Let's assume that they leave us alone. So that we're not going to get along. We're still going to fight with one another. Now, I, I, like, so, so it's nice for you to say, well, how come we don't remember? How come we don't get along? But we don't get along. You know? So, I get it. Well, I'll, okay, let's, I'll, I'll bring you back to, not necessarily specifically, the delivery room of me and my wife. Here, here's an interesting thing. I don't know, and, and here I'm going to use uh, a... Um, kind of a, a fictionalized version of often what takes place in the delivery room. I don't know many guys who necessarily say the right thing to their wives if they're giving birth. The Talmud, don't forget, basically says that a wife kind of curses her husband when she's giving birth, saying, basically, get out of my face, and you're annoying me just by virtue of being here, but don't leave me, right? So um, it, it, sometimes there isn't a right thing to say. In fact, it's, that, that's the difference between birth and death. In death, we say we have no words. Sometimes you think, well, maybe we should have fewer words now too. Maybe our task is just to stand together. Maybe that very act. On Tisha B'Av, one of the most remarkable things is we, we don't say shalom to each other, which you always thought is very strange. A day that we're supposed to build bridges, we take out the ingredient, which is generally a, a, a bridge-building term, shalom, how we kind of positive to greet one another, generally with Shem Hashem, that's what Chazal are talking about there. I think the idea of not saying Shalom is to recognize some days the best thing to build bridges is basically go to mouth and sit and stand with each other and just recognize the warmth of each other and look at each other and reflect with each other and try not to confuse things with words which are probably going to come out wrong. A bit like the guy necessarily in the delivery suite, right? So why did I mention birth and death? They're different experiences, for sure. But with death, we realize we don't have the words. And oftentimes, precisely because of that, that's how we're able to stand together. I think if we were able to, what Rav Stav is kind of saying is, maybe more actions and less words. Maybe doing things together rather than talking at each other about what we accuse of each other. Maybe that's the better thing. Because when it comes to it, Actually, 95% of what we want is a similar thing. There is a significant 5%. And I strongly agree with the importance of robust debate, uh, which helps us figure out a way to move forward, where ideally both parties aren't so unnecessarily stubborn. But it's actually the too many words. And that's why I kind of agree with you. If we're constantly being fed... The, the stream of words from the news, from the radio, which heighten that toxicity, 
and that negativity, all we're doing is absorbing it and then kind of repeating it. Let's have less of that. That doesn't mean I should feel less strongly about democracy or about rule of law or government or the Supreme Court. I think a person should have a view. I agree with you both. But having a view does not necessarily mean uh, I can't be able to hear you. If I'm always talking, I can't hear you. Well, it's time for well, silence. I just want to say what, what when Johnny's ta talking about less words, I think that's very similar to what, ironically, what I'm saying, talk about the talking, right? Meaning maybe the way to talk about the talking is by talking a little bit less, you know, and, and making a little bit of more space. But it's like getting to the meta, getting to what's more important. Um, and Ruby, what I'm hearing your biggest frustration is, is that you feel like um, the people who are willing to do this are few and far between, which is why it turns into platitudes. And when oh, no, I, I would say the willing the people willing to do this. Uh, I wrote down another note. I said, well, first of all, who are the people that are doing this? They're extremists on either side. I think that there's, if you'd ask me, 90% of the people in this country just want to live their lives. It's very important. It's very important to them. They don't want to fight about it. But like in our society, the people who get the attention are the people who want to scream, meaning even the political parties themselves can't make concessions because they're the 5% of the extremists are the ones that are controlling the discussion on all sides. So, what I, right. so God forbid that they, you know, the same thing is true in social media. So when you say, like, talk about the talking, the word that comes to my mind is a very terrible Israeli phrase. Enikoch. Like, okay. No, no. I want to turn it off. I, I, st I started, you know, I started listening to books on tape. Mm -hmm. They're awesome. Okay, you but know, maybe I'm, that's okay. Maybe that's Adams how you're going to... It's a little slow. That's how I'm coping. Yeah, but, that, but maybe that's the right saying. way, right? I mean, maybe that's the right way. We, meaning, we're saying a bunch of complex things, right? But like, when you say that, I'm saying, right, that's my point. 90% of the people are fine. You know, it's like that expression, the kids are okay. The, yeah. the, the body politic is healthy. The people, now, body politic is sick. Body politics is not right. healthy. The That's a I mean the actual humans <laughs> who make up body politics, right? The people, the nation, Am Yisrael, is basically okay. The, the, as you said, I don't know what the percentage is of, 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 of extremists, and I don't know how much people are, you know, get kind of sucked into it. Most of the people are really okay. And maybe that's a place to have some nechama, right? And so we have to balance all these things. Like one thing is, so Ruby, be optimistic about that. Be optimistic. And say all of this screaming and shouting is coming. I tell you why I'm not optimistic. I'm not optimistic because like I live, I think, differently than most people. I get a sense that most people, they just have the TV on, the news on in the background all the time. Who's most people, Ruby? I don't, I don't. I know. I think most Israelis do. I think most Americans do also. Like okay. they just have Fox News on or CNN on all the time that's right. my that's my okay, perception so, maybe i'm okay, wrong so but so the answer is am i wrong tell, no tell me i don't know I don't again mean, i agree with you but i think what you're saying is um your diagnosis is the culture is sick right there are things about the culture that are sick what i'm saying is okay so then two things one is that i'm saying i think there are a lot more strains of health in there that that you're not plugging into that kind of calm me down i think there are a lot of healthy people out there that aren't so sick and the other piece is like, like I, I've spoken to this with a friend at length, like if we're trying to raise our kids in a toxic culture, what do you do? So I'm like, you give them, you inoculate them. So even though today, even inoculation has become a dramatic, you know, like a controversial concept. Let's pretend it's not. And we all- You are inoculated? What do you have? Uh, <laughs> exactly. Uh, vaxxer? Let's, let's, let's <laughs> assume that we all believe that there's such a thing as normal vaccines that actually help human beings. Okay. So you have to vaccinate. Your 
Wait, what's the vaccine? What is the vaccination from, from the toxic culture? Vaccinate. Other than, turn other it than off. taking away cell phones. Yeah, yeah. listen. Yeah. yeah, turn it off. Learn, like what this woman wrote, right? Learn how to slow down. As Johnny says, listen more and speak less. Um, communicate with actual humans. Get off of the Facebook and the Twitter and the and the interwebs and the YouTube. and the, Get off of it and interact with an actual human being. Um um, so you know what I'm thinking? Maybe the best way to to, to commemorate Tisha B'Av is not to think about the situation. No, but but because <laughs> okay. if I think about the situation, maybe, I'm only but, feeding but into I it. would say fine. If you don't want to think about the situation, that's fine. Some but irony, what will you it? think about? Right? It's like ma'at min ha'or ma'garei shabbat minachosha. Usually, I'm thinking about dinner, but other no. Than so so I'm saying like so go to the kotel and go sing with them at the, at the end of Tisha B'Av and feel inspired by that. There are plenty of that's that's what I'm trying to say. If for, for us as individuals to to not feel despair, I think we have to plug into the places that will not that will that will feed into our hope and not into our despair. And there are plenty of them. There are plenty of way. Again, like figure out for yourself what that is. I, I, I did want to mention this, as I told you before. My son just came back from Poland yesterday. So we you know met them at in the old city. And I cannot tell you how inspiring it was. The Rabbanim, the students, their sensitivity, their depth the insights that they had. If this is the future of the Jewish people, we're, we're fine. We're going to be fine. You're going to tell me, I, but they're a minority. I don't care if they're a minority. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying the Chorban could have gone a different way. It was just a question of could, um, you know, which, which, um, it's actually, I think there's like a moment in, 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 in this movie that we didn't discuss, but Agadat Chorban, which we keep talking about, this movie that was made about the Chorban, there's a moment, and there again it is, as Johnny said, it's after death, right? It's after the Chorban where, like, all the different sides kind of call out to each other and stand in silence and in unity and realize what they did. And the sense there is if they had just done it before, everything would be fine. And and, and you can say... See, but that's the problem, We're not doing it. We never, do, not, it we never right, do it before. I know, but I'm telling you... Hindsight, I've, that's exactly I, Okay, this point. is what I'm... Johnny's point is birth versus death. I agree. But, but what I'm saying to you is my feeling is one of my favorite lines from one of my favorite books from To Kill a Mockingbird. When Atticus Finch says to his daughter, it's not time to worry yet. Right? It's like, oh no, oh no, it looks very scary. And, and Atticus, yeah. it's not time to worry yet. I feel it's not time to worry yet. As long as we have Rav Stav speaking out, and as long as we have students like the students that we have, and as long as we have people like Johnny and you... Um, you expressing your despair and, and people should hear it. And Johnny giving advice that's going to comfort people. And, and us, the three of us, having this conversation and putting out a counter voice to the, to, and having a different kind of conversation than other people are having about this issue. I think it's not time to worry yet. I really believe that, which doesn't mean that we shouldn't act. We should act. And, we are, and, and, and in all of these different ways. But as Rav Hashem, and I, and I, want, I want to close with one more thing, which is, um, um, what I've been saying here, where my ridiculous opt- optimism comes from. So I went, I went to hear Dave Rubin. So again, if you now turn off, the, you know, our podcast because you can't listen to me anymore because I like Dave Rubin. So so be it. But Dave Rubin is a. I don't even know who that he is. He started off as a liberal and he moved to the um, more libertarian slash conservative space. Okay, he's Jewish. You can just Google him. Okay. No, no, I didn't. Just oh, oh, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he came to Israel. Okay. I said, oh, I want to hear Dave Rubin. I'll go hear him. And with my friends, we heard Dave Rubin. He said, guys, in Israel, what is your secret? 
I walk around the streets here and you have no idea. He's like, I'm coming from a culture that's totally different. He's like, you guys are smiling and there's growth everywhere. And, and people seem to be enjoying their lives and, and, and people are friendly to each other. He's like, what are you doing here? That's right, Israel. I want to know what you're doing right because I want to import it back to, to, to my culture because we're getting something wrong that you're getting right. And I want to figure out what's your secret. So that See, it's interesting that you say that because there is definitely a common story. We do have, like, no matter what you say, we're fighting about what the future will be. But we definitely understand, I think, this country does have a common story. And that makes the fighting so... Correct. And it's also, that's part of who passionate. we are as Jews. You know, two, three opinions. Like, maybe there's a strength in the fact we just have to learn how to moderate it a little bit. A lot. But... A lot. If we all felt the same, that would be dangerous as well. So... Johnny. Yeah. yeah. You know, I'll actually take that baton and, and run with it just with two brief anecdotes. Uh, just over a week ago, um, I, I said I teach for Melton, and the head of Melton, Randy Breidowitz, uh, was uh, visiting in Israel, and she was going to go see her friend, uh, Pam Mashevsky, a big Facebook fan of mine, uh, who lives in Mitzperamon, and they said, hey, uh, why don't we pop into your place en route, because I'd given a course not so long ago about the different cultures and communities who live not far from where I live. I said, sure, with pleasure. And uh, when she came, I said, I'll give you a kind of an hour tour of my neck of the woods, because most people don't come to kind of like a Kiryat Gat area for tourist attractions. Uh, and so when I take Randy... Yeah, Carmi Gat is a I, huge I, Anglo community now, isn't it? Oh, oh, one second, right. So, so I took them to, to the industrial area where Intel is tripling their factory size with huge, huge news. You know, every basically microchip is being made uh, just a few minutes from my, my neighborhood. I took them to the neighborhoods where we have flourishing Ethiopian communities in, in, in Kiretka. I took them to a spice store when we have uh, uh, Indian foods, uh, you know, overflowing. I know because that's, that's my, my background. Uh, I showed them uh, shops from Russian communities. I took them to Karmegat. And I said to Randy, you know, I said, you know, when you talk about Israel, people think about it through certain headlines, which have been determined by people with certain agendas. I said, this is my Israel. My Israel is this guy who has this store, you know, this lady, the, you know, an Ethiopian who, who is a lawyer, this Russian guy who fixes my watches, these, these communities which are being built, the startup nation, right, the farms and the fields. I said, you know, it's important for people to come here and actually acquaint themselves with the majority of real Israel. Because if they did, they'd have a different view of what's going on in Israel. And especially now it's summer, and a lot of people come to a certain kind of limited space, either in Tel Aviv or Jerusalem. I say go somewhere. Go and visit other places, and you'll sense actually the vibrancy and excitement of what is Medina Israel, uh, where people get along. I'll say one further brief story. Good anecdote. That uh, made me feel better, Johnny. I really did. You're right. And similar things are happening in your neck of the woods as well, and I, and I know them well. Uh, but a second thing, I was in Efrat on Sunday helping my friend Eight, and I went with Donna, my daughter, Meira, back to Yerushalayim. That morning, there'd been a, a, a terrorist attack in Tekoa. Um, and as we were driving uh, from basically the Efrat neighborhood towards Jerusalem, we saw uh, a, a, a significant number of uh, army ar armored vehicles moving in a way which clearly they were doing something. And we said they're probably trying to find and catch this Mechabel. So um, the terrorist. So, so that's what we saw. 
in the end we drove to Jerusalem, went to see my in-laws, and I looked on the news, and, and it basically told us that just a few minutes after we saw them, they'd gone into Bethlehem and caught this uh, individual who had uh, carried out a terrorist attack, who had an M16, who was obviously a huge threat to civilian life. Now, amongst those 15 trucks of armored vehicles, uh, there were people right to the left, religious, not religious, all types. They're all going out to bat for you and me. And, and we need to remember that when it comes to it. I mean, this happens every day. It was just very, very particular. An event happens, and just a few hours later, and this is a, the second time past few weeks, that within a few hours, we found terrorists and, and basically made this, this country a safer space. The people who are putting their lives at risk, which is a very risky thing to do, are all types. And when we recognize threat, we stop caring about these things, not because they're not important, but because there are other things which are more important. And that's that difference between birth and death. If we want to birth a new chapter of the state of Israel, we need to act recognizing that everything we do, right, is there for the protection and safety, security, and future of the state of Israel. And so seeing the country flourishing, but also seeing how people stand arm to arm, working together to look out for each other and look out for us, is just... That's what Israel is, I know for me and I know for you guys as well. And it's good for our listeners to be reminded of that too. Okay, uh, beautiful. Okay, so I think we'll stop here. So it turns out that this Tisha B'Av, I will be sitting on the ground if there's no Beit Amidash, we would like to say that. Uh, I will not be watching the news. I probably shouldn't be on social media. <laughs> um, if you have an event, interesting, I'd be interested to note, if you know of an event that I would guess... Would build trust or build inter, you know, some relationship between a community that's not my own. I'd be interested in Bali. You said, like, go to the Kotel and sing with the people. It doesn't ever draw, drew me to sing, like, at the Yeshiva Bachemer there. That's my community. Like, I'd be much more interested in finding somewhere where I could go and sing with people that are not my people or, or talk or study with people that are not my people. That would be much more, much more meaningful to me this year. And maybe, well, if you have an idea or you have something you want to share with us, let us know and I'll be happy to uh, pass it along. All right. Um, so you should also have a meaningful fast and easy fast. I want to thank Rabbi Jenny Solomon and Rabbi Mali Bravsky, and uh, thank our listeners for being with us. Have a great week, everybody.